Welcome to Tucson New Thought. Love is my decision, right here and now. Right here and now. I've had an interesting... uh, I've had an interesting consideration since I arrived and started this experience of the Sunday gathering celebration service. And... uh, that consideration is that I almost don't want to talk about what I plan on talking about today. Uh, So whatever happens is going to be what happens. That's what happens. When spirit is like moving, you got to go. You got to trust. You got to trust. Love is my decision. Right here and right now, how many of us are actively making that decision? Because here's my thing. As much as I would like to think that I have embodied that decision in every aspect of my life, I haven't. I haven't. I still have the experience of feeling challenged by things, and the first place I go to isn't always loving kindness. Last week, I talked about the flood in my home the home that I'm going to own on March 5th when we sign the closing documents. We've been renting the space, um, and last week we had a flood. In our, we're in a two-story townhouse. We had a flood on our first floor. And love was not my first decision <laughs> in that experience because I was triggered in that moment by the experience of it all and had to make a decision in that moment. Am I really wanting to buy this house? I I haven't closed yet. I can still back out. We can still back out of this deal. All I lose is, you know, a little money that is for things already paid for. And then I had to stop, take a step back, which we do sometimes, remember who I am, and know that my life is led by love only. But I have to actively remind myself of this. Spirituality, spiritual practice, it's work. No, nobody wants to hear that. But it's work. It gets easier. The work gets easier and it becomes more ingrained and becomes our beingness more and more and more and more. But we also think that we have a limited time from the day we are born until the day we make our transition that we think that that is our limited time to master it all. But I know a deeper truth. I trust in a deeper truth. If I know who I am, and that is the infinite presence of a divine spirit, of the divine spirit, the only thing going on, love, light, life, peace, power, beauty, joy, these are the attributes of God. And God is always unfolding In terms of creation, I am part of that infinite creation. So there is absolutely no separation, none whatsoever. When I am in alignment with that all the time, then I know that this is not it. There is no limitation any longer. I am part of the infinite. I am the infinite. I'm having an experience where I perceive myself as finite. But I can let that go because it's all done in mind first and foremost. So I step back, remind myself of the truth. I remind myself who I am, 
and I know that I choose to lead with love. And so, I look at the flood, I look at the water all around me, and I think to myself, this is easy. Why not? This is easy. I can mop up the water, I will turn the water off, and I will call the plumber, which is what I did. The plumber did come, simple fix, fixed a seal, and you know what it was, because it's so common here, it was roots in the sewer. So everything just backed up, because the water and it could not flow. So he comes out, and luckily we have a sewer uh, access point, so he was able to go in there and get the roots and free it all up. That was that. Easy. Now, in that moment, I could have decided that it was hard, and I would have created, that would have been the, the frame of mind from which all the circumstances would have unfolded. It would have been hard. It may have been the exact same uh, physical expression, but my mental approach to it is what would have changed the experience. I decide in every moment what is easy and what is not. This is the power that we each and every one of us have in our lives, to decide in every moment, given the circumstances that we are experiencing, what is easy and what is hard. Well, I'm going to choose easy from now on. That's going to be my point of view. That's how I'm going to unfold. That's how I'm going to step forth, knowing that life is easy. Because that's, na that's God's nature. God's nature is easy. Does God have to work to do anything? No. I almost, you, you saw, I was like, and I had to think about it. I'm like, does it? No, God does not have to work to do anything. God simply is. And that's who and what we are. To think that we need to work to do anything, well, that is not awakening to love in our hearts. We're the ones who get to change our lives. That's the important message. We're the ones who are in charge. Ernest told, so this is, so now I'm getting back to what I planned on talking about today because it actually, of course, it's easy. It all aligns. So we are working through the Declaration of Principles as written by Ernest Holmes in 1927. I think we're on nine, I think we're on the 10th one. Uh, I'm going to read them so you don't have to follow along. And I also have adjusted it slightly. I don't say we believe I say we teach, because it's up to you to determine what you believe. We teach the direct revelation of truth through the spiritual and intuitive nature of each person, and that anyone may become a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with the indwelling God. That's what I've been talking about. That's what I've been talking about. Revealing truth is our birthright. It is what we are here to do. We reveal truth through the expression and experience of love. But we have to flow forth from that point of view of love first and foremost. I love that he says and wrote that it's a direct revelation. It is a direct revelation. What that means, there is no middleman. There's no middleman, which is different from many spiritual philosophies, many religious traditions and faith traditions and, and, and philosophies. There is no middleman. Each and every one of us is a mystic. Each and every one of us is a prophet. That's one of the ways, so one of the things that happens is when, when I introduce myself to the world in whatever way, if I go to a public function and, you know, you do go into small talk and what is one of the first questions that you're always asked? Oh, so what do you do? And I say, I'm a minister. Oh, 
oh, um, what denomination? <laughs> There's an automatic assumption that I am a Christian minister, right? Automatic assumption. And the question is, am I a Christian minister? I usually say I am not specifically a Christian minister. I like to consider the spiritual philosophy. I, you know, I've, I've been saying transdenominational, but I feel like there's a bigger concept for it beyond just being transdenominational because we're beyond, we're beyond, we're beyond, we're beyond. Metadenominational, I love that. We're metadenominational. If you trace back religious science, there is a definite Christian ideology that is underlying all of it. Ernest Holmes, our founder, said and was very clear, Jesus was the great teacher. But Jesus, he was also very clear, is not the middleman. Jesus is the way shower. We are all like Jesus, and this is what Jesus taught. I can't remember exactly what it is, but great things you will do. Or you will do even greater things than I have done, he is purported to have said, because he understood, and that was his message. His message was that we are all the body of the infinite divine presence called God. The Father and I are one. He's using I in the infinite sense that he's speaking about each and every one of us. We are the body of God. The universe is the body of God. He also taught the second part. So he taught the, the divinity of humanity, the divinity, the Father and I are one. That's one of the really, even though we have these core concepts, that's one of the two things we teach. We teach that, and the second thing we teach is the law of cause and effect. Well, he stated that very clearly. It is done unto you as you believe. That's the law of cause and effect. Our belief system is the cause. Everything that shows up is the effect. It is done unto us as we believe, so everything is showing up based on what we believe. So there, it is, we are, the, hmm, direct revelation. No middleman. There is no need, there actually is no need for spiritual rites or ceremonies. Those are lovely things. I love to do this particular ceremony. Do I have to do this to truly embody and understand the connected nature of all spiritual traditions, all faith traditions, and all religions? I don't have to, but it makes me feel good, and it makes me it's, it's a good way of reminding myself of that infinite truth. We don't need to do those things. The best thing we can do to honor the spiritual nature that we all are is to live with loving kindness as our first and foremost expression. Loving kindness. We teach the direct revelation of, thr of truth through the spiritual and intuitive nature of each person. And anyone may become a revealer of truth. Anyone. But that's a decision. It is a decision to be a revealer of truth. And I think we are culturalized. I think our culture teaches us something else, teaches us to be less than, teaches us that we, that we have to submit ourselves to something outside the self because that's where the truth is. I think it's all over our culture. But are you willing to stand up to that very principle, that very idea, and say, no, I am a, I am a revealer of truth in the way that I live my life, in the way that I 
choose to step forth. What are you doing today? This is, now, this is the question. What, well, what are you doing today? But that's also a question for me. What am I doing today to be a revealer of truth? It's easy for me right in this moment. Here I am. This is my choice to step up on a stage every single Sunday as a minister, as someone who has learned in these philosophies, to step up and be a revealer of what I consider to be spiritual truth. But what are you doing today to be a revealer of truth? Because there is no difference between me and you. I may have, well, not, not, this is not true for every single person in the room because there are other ministers in the room, but I just have more education in a particular direction than many people here, or, and maybe not. The thing is, we all get to be revealers of truth. We all get to utilize all that we has preceded us and all that we are right in this very moment to reveal truth. And that truth, there's one truth, one truth only, love. Are you ready to step forth and reveal love in all your interaction? When I walk out these doors, does my spiritual nature stop? No, it can't. It can't, because that's who and what I am. But the way in which I utilize this energy may shift when I walk out these doors. Was it some of, actually, on Tuesday, um, we did our first, Reverend Steph St. Amand in British Columbia and I did our first coffee, our conscious coffee, I can't remember what it's called now. Anyway, it's an online forum, basically a discussion group that we're doing the, the third Tuesday of every month, uh, utilizing web conf conferencing software. And so Steph in British Columbia and I are co-hosts of this discussion group. And one of the things that came up was this very idea that um, what happens when we step outside the doors of our spiritual centers? And it was, it, this was the context. For many, many, for 50 years, the religious science organizations, there were two of them that have since become one, uh, the religious science organizations would spend their summer retreat at this beautiful place called Asilomar, which is up near Monterey, California. And um, they're going back again this year, which I'm excited about. I don't think I'm going to go because I've got a couple weddings in Canada that I have to go to this year, and I've got to figure out my time. But what would happen is every year, here would be these ministers, practitioners, and lay people who would all descend upon the Asilomar grounds. We would take over the entire facility, and there were workshops and, and magnificent speakers and experiences and spiritual practices, and it was just wonderful. And you would be there for a week, just immersed in this beautiful spot by the sea, go walking in the ocean, have the nice fresh ocean air. And this it just unbelievably, I would say magical, if I believed in magic. But here's what happened. We would come there as collective, create a consciousness in this place, and we would all be immersed in this beautiful, loving consciousness. And then the week would end. And the big question is, what happens when you walk away and walk through the gates to leave the Asilomar Conference Grounds? Well, at the time that uh, I was, uh, well, 
there were, my, my first years in this movement, I would drive from Southern California all the way up to Monterey to go to the Asilomar Conference. And so, you, you know, it's basically one tank of gas to get up there. And when we'd leave Asilomar, before you got on the highway, the first thing you would do is go to the, go to the uh, gas station because you had to fill up your tank. So we went to the gas station. I was with uh, Reverend James Mellon at the time, and he had been one of the speakers this particular, uh, this particular week that comes to mind. And we pull up, and he gets out, and I roll down the window, and we're just, you know, he's filling up the gas tank, and there's this car on the other side, and it's these, um, it's these two women who are uh, filling up their gas tank, but they're in this bickering fight around how they're going to pay for the gas. Well, I paid for the gas coming up here and I put in this much amount and, 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 don't, and so I don't owe that. And they were, right? Doing their thing. And they turn around and they see James. Oh, you were magnificent <laughs> this week at the conference grounds. You were so magnificent. Your talk, was, your talk, your talk changed my life. But it makes you wonder how quickly we can fall off of it and step away from loving kindness and start getting into these expressions of conflict, right? We're in charge. They are in charge of their experience. Now, I don't want to stand up here and judge them. I guess I am kind of judging them. But there's a level of discernment that we can all carry to make a decision in every single moment, am, am I expressing in loving kindness? Am I expressing in and as loving kindness? The next, oh, did I? I you almost got uh, a lot less of my talk. Oh, actually, no, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> the, next, uh, the next point on our Declaration of Principles, it's another longer one. It says this, we teach that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind, which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. And the note that I wrote here is this. This is, this is something that is frankly better explained in class. <laughs> this is basically, we have a teaching tool. Um, I'm very quickly going to go through this. We teach the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind. Uh, I don't know if everybody has the teaching tool, but if you look at our logo, this is a stylized version of the teaching tool. The circle represents the infinite wholeness. In a stylized way, it's been broken into, it's been broken into three sections, the top, a middle, and a bottom section. And then you'll see that there's a V in the middle. I'm not going to get into the whole teaching or teach, I'm not going to get into being a teacher right in this moment in this particular way. But all I'm going to say is this is a representation of exactly what this says. The universal spirit, which is God, operates through universal mind, which is the law of God. The top section represents cause. It represents the universal mind. It represents, the, it represents spirit. The middle section represents what we call the soul or law, the law of cause and effect. And the bottom section represents all that is in the world of form. Spirit soul, body, cause, law, effect. And the V in the middle represents the descent of spirit into its particularized form. That's all it means. Like I said, we spend weeks and weeks and weeks in class talking about this symbol 
and the expression of how the creative process works. Because in the universal sense, we are all individualizations of the universal, so that circle works in exactly the same way for us. The top section is our cause, the, the middle section is the subjective law, and the bottom section is our expression and our experience in the world of form. I am intending, when, uh, once we move to our new space, um, I will start teaching classes. Yes. So the next point. We teach, the heal we teach the healing of the sick through the power of this mind. This is where we began. The fundamental roots of new thought go back to the healing of the physical form through the use of mind. Now, we've expanded the concept of healing to include all sorts of things. We can heal our finances. We can heal our relationships. We can heal, heal, heal. But it all goes back to, I can heal a broken bone through the use of my mind. And there are healers who have done that. Am I at that point yet? Gosh, I wish I were. But I work at it every day. I work at it every single day. The roots of new thought lying in the healing of physical illness... It, it goes back to, uh, well, it goes back to before this particular person that I'm going to talk about. Um, Anton Mesmer <clears throat> was an 18th century German doctor, and he proposed this idea that there is a relationship between the mind and the body, and it flows through an invisible force called animal magnetism. Now, what we know now is all of that is one thing. The force is our mind and our body. It's the law. Now, if, if, the, if the name mesmer is familiar to, for any reason, it's because the word mesmerize comes from him. The concept of mesmerization, which is allowing ourselves to go to that place of alignment. Now, it's worked its way into hypnosis, but we can also say we're mesmerizing ourselves through spiritual practice every time we meditate every time we utilize spiritual mind treatment or affirmative prayer, every time we utilize affirmations, every time we utilize spiritual practice, we are mesmerizing ourselves because what we're addressing is what is happening in our mind. And as we do this, the physical form follows. So that's really about the root of the philosophy. So given these principles... The three, just the three we've talked about today. And there's a whole list of them. Three, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I think there are 16 bullet points on there. If I remember right off the top of my head, I could be off by one or two. But given these principles, what will you do when you leave this space? Who will you be when you walk out that door? Will you be someone who quickly moves to conflict? when you're with somebody at the gas station and you have to figure out who's, how, how you're paying for it and how it's going to be split up? Will you move through conflict or can you express an experience through loving resolution from the point of view of kindness? You have one life to live. Here's the good news. It's not this. It's infinite. You have one life to live, though. We have eternity to get it, to get it, right? We have eternity to figure it all out. But boy, won't it be nice to figure it all out now? Love is my decision. 
my decision is to figure it all out right here and right now. Because I know that when I change my mind, God as me knows how everything is to unfold from that point forth. That's the truth. That's the truth. Today is our call. Today, right here and right now, I'm calling upon each and every one of us to truly awaken to love only. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.